to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast with your hosts, Jeremy Thake and Paul Schaefer. Each week, you'll catch us speaking to expert developers about new tech, lessons learned, and opinions in this space. Hey, Jeremy, are you guys melting this week like the rest of us? No, it's Seattle. We're, it's gray and overcast this morning. I do feel like we start every show with a little podcast, but it is meant to be a heat wave going for America. It's just, we've decided to just dodge that completely, apparently. Nice. Lucky you. So uh, we have an action-packed episode again this week. Uh, thanks to everyone for coming back to listen. Uh, I want to cover some news that we found uh, this week first. Uh, the first item I found is a, a blog post from Peter Marku who works on Azure, there's a new preview of Azure SDKs with a bunch of new API standards, which I found incredibly interesting because I know somebody who works on the API council at Microsoft, and I was curious as to whether the graph or the, or the Azure SDK API is uh, uh, working just like Graph does. So it'll be interesting to see how this evolves and how the rest of the company uh, evolves with it, right? So have you seen this uh, blog post? Yeah. We we actually meet with um, a bunch of the guys in DevDiv that are driving a lot of this. Um, it was an initiative that started last month where, um, funny enough, we have another VP review today. We do with those quarterly. And in the last VP review, they suggested we go speak to the DevDiv org to find out what they're doing and, and have some shared learnings across things like Azure has SDKs and the Graph has an SDK. And obviously Azure has docs and Azure has a portal and you guys should share notes. And so we've been doing that. And it's been interesting because, you know, each of their different products within Azure had their own teams working on SDKs. And excuse me, what they're doing is they're consolidating into one single team and having sub teams for every language. Um, Obviously, Azure has a direct revenue stream of if you (laughs) use product A in Azure, you make money and therefore the size of the team that works on these SDKs is significantly larger than the size of the team that is inside Daryl's team that runs SDKs and graph across the four languages. So what's fascinating to me is they focus on Python, Java, JavaScript.net first um, on the different products that they're, they're prioritized. They're not obviously covering all products. They're, they're focused on a, um, a few. And um, obviously with Graph, we focus on .NET and Java and JavaScript and an Objective-C iOS library. Um, and I think that's just the usage that, you know, we commonly see the Graph going. We do get requests for Python and uh, Go is another one we're getting asks for from Microsoft Graph perspective. But um, yeah, there has been a lot of like shared learnings and uh, there are some opportunities that we're going to, grab the coattails of the fact that they have way more engineering <laughs> power than we do and um, borrow there for sure. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's, it's good to hear that there's some communication happening and, and there's some, obviously there's common goals. And so I think that's just going to make life easier for developers. If I'm using .NET SDK and I'm talking to Microsoft, well, I don't want to have to do funny things different ways. So it'd be great to see uh, see these uh, this come to fruition. So, uh, and I will point out, this is uh, still a, a preview. These are preview SDKs. So there's really not something that's happening like right now, but obviously it, uh, there's um, st- st- stuff afoot. So it was good to see, good to see that coming down. 
The next blog post I found is uh, one from a, a former uh, guest of ours, uh, Yohai, on uh, some conversation updates. Yeah, and it's interesting because this is stuff that, you know, this team is trucking hard, far, hard and fast too. And um, I presented at Build on the virtual assistant template that Darren Jefford and Yohai have been working on. And we're going to get Darren on show quite shortly to talk in more detail about the virtual assistant. But um, one thing that this kind of homes in on is this notion of a new bot framework channel called direct line speech, which is in preview. And the scenario is, is that, you know, you can in an app, say an Android or iOS, um, take a voice in and use their speech SDK, which has audio processing and can trigger, be triggered by custom wake words. And then it throws it over the wire into a direct line speech co-located service. And inside of there, it'll do things like wake word verification, um, speech synthesis, synthesis, and then speech recognition that then throws it into the bot framework to do like language understanding um, and like using the Q&A bot and whatever else you kind of put inside of your bot framework code. So it really is helping people to build voice assistants that are either sitting on a machine or you want to plug into things like Siri, Cortana, Alexa, and so forth. So it's really cool to see how they're going to, I guess, help developers do all the plumbing so they don't have to do it themselves and so they can work on their scenarios. So I'm actually quite excited to see what people do with this. Next week, actually, we're doing our fix, hack, learn or like our global annual one week that kind of you drop all your tools and focus on whatever you feel like you want to focus on to either fix, hack or learn. And um, I'm tempted to do this next week with my uh, little invoke speaker that I picked up for 40 bucks on eBay a few months ago that sits collecting dust in the corner. <laughs> well, it's good to, yeah, um, you, especially if you got a device lying around collecting dust, that's awesome. And, and I like, I like that the, obviously I've written some bot stuff and there's a lot of work that you have to do with a bot to make it useful and productive for your, for your line of business and all this other stuff on top of it is, is a lot of work. So I, I'm personally excited to see that, uh, th this team is, is working on that. What, what they, uh, what, what they're calling the the speech or the voice first right so interact with the bot using voice instead yeah. of having to type something in so that'd be that'd be great uh I'm not sure i have uh the bandwidth to kick the tires so soon but uh, that uh, certainly is is nice to do but what's more interesting to me is the the sdk has been bumped up well recently they released four or five and now four or six is in preview but there's a, a new way of interacting with the code what they're calling the adaptive dialogue which is not an adaptive card, <laughs> but uh, a whole nother paradigm for, for dialogues. And, and this is evolving again, which can be a bit confusing. And we won't tell. It's a good thing AC is not looking at the, de the models, the development models. He'd be having another, another rant. But uh, this uh, is a more, more natural declarative interface to your bot with uh, either voice or these this adaptive things is, is a lot of stuff moving here in the bot framework world so nice to see you okay i have to give that a look yeah. too 
Yeah. Um, the next one I found is uh, I have a link to a uh, uh, Channel 9 video. So so this is uh, not too long ago, uh, maybe a week or two ago, I actually bumped up the version of my graph SDK in my project. And I was getting this funny compile time error about version mismatch between different things. Right. And so obviously my solution has more than one project. And and the I, I updated the graph SDK to 1.16 in both projects, but I was still getting this funky error. In order to solve the problem, I loaded a tool called the MS Build Structured Log Viewer, which has been around for a long time. And now that the, the author was on Channel 9 to do a video of how this works. And it's a great tool when you get these kind of obscure compile errors. And, and Visual Studio will actually say, look at the build log to see it. And when you look at the build log, you get 18,000 pages of, of stuff flying across your screen <laughs> and you can't possibly watch it. So... <laughs> This is a great little tool. I highly recommend put this sucker on there. I mean, you don't need it every day, but when you need it, it's helpful. So that must build structured log viewer for those of us still using Visual Studio and and so on. And speaking of the uh, uh, SDKs, so when uh, there's a new update to NuGet that'll surface GitHub usage packages. And obviously, I went to the first thing I did is I went to the Graph SDK and NuGet and clicked on the what they call the the top GitHub usage, uh, and it shows you yeah, other yeah. stuff that's uh, GitHub repos that depend on the package that you're looking at. And so, uh, a great little enhancement to the NuGet environment here. Yeah, it's kind of clever because there are often times where you're evaluating an npm package and you want to make sure that you know it's not sucking down the internet to be used, which guess in most cases these days they do yeah but um at least that way you can see it and then go in and like look at the dependencies and it has like a star rating and there's a number beside it which i'm guessing is the number of downloads for the particular uh, or is it the number of stars number of stars number of stars oh, repo, yeah okay. so github's really relying on you star rating repost as an indicator of whether these things are good or not um, which, yeah, I guess is one way to look at it. I, I wouldn't say it's um, good or bad. The other way I tend to popular. look at it is downloads, yeah, well, right? Well, it may not be good or bad, but the number of people who have took the time to star it means they're, yeah, something, right? It's at least got some uh, yeah, eye, eyeballs fair. and people looking at it. Because so, I don't normally star a repo, right? Unless uh, I need to come back to it often enough. So it's a good thing there. Yeah, that's yeah. true. So good. Sir. So um, so that's kind of a nice little add in there as well, which is yeah. cool. Yeah, and the at the time we're looking at this, the number one usage or the the the, the most starred GitHub repo for the Microsoft Graph SDK is the Windows Toolkit, uh, Windows Community Toolkit from uh, Nicola, um, which is a, a great timing because uh, hey, who's our guest this week? <laughs> I know, right? Nicola um, was the one that worked on the UW Toolkit last year when we announced those things in build of twenty eighteen. Um, and, and now this year he's launched the graph toolkit. So it's uh, awesome to have Nicola on to talk about the graph toolkit. And we've actually had some meetings since I recorded this last week. Um, there are some really cool things coming that you need to just keep an eye on our graph blog. Um, and also, uh, directly on the GitHub repo too. So, um, yeah, it was good to go meet him in person in, uh, 108. And, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the show and we, we have some nice things queued up here 
for the next few weeks. So we're kind of ahead of the game a little bit, Paul, for the first time in quite a while. Uh, yeah, well, I have vacation in September, and then shortly after that is Ignite. So the schedule will probably fall apart then. So I was glad to see we get the, get some stuff moving here. So <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, I remember I, I talked with uh, Nicola before, so I'm glad that you got him back on the show. It, it's uh, it's great, and I look forward to listening to him. So I'm here in building 109 in a very brand new kind of taken over invaded space that the PAX team are in. So Nicola, thank you for uh, joining me on the podcast. Not only your first day back after right. how many days not in the office? Yeah, I was gone for uh, three weeks and this is the first <laughs> day back, not in back at the office, but back to a new office. So first day. Right. Yeah. So did you have to pack before you left? Yeah. So I came in during my vacation for about four hours and just packed threw everything in boxes. I have no idea where everything is right now. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not even unpacking yet. There are literally yeah. couches in the hallway. <laughs> yeah. People so are yeah, trying to get no work getting done today. Yeah. There is one guy down the corner here with like nine monitors on his desk. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He has it all the way up. Yeah. I don't know how he does what it. What does with he do? His... That's Michael. He works on the Windows Community Toolkit. So oh, yeah, okay. so he needs a lot of monitors to monitor everything that's happening. I don't know. That's just hilarious. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Nicola, who are you? What do you work on? Yes. Yeah, so, my name is uh, Nicola Metulev. I'm part of the uh, Partners uh, Analytics and Essential Experiences team at Microsoft, which is a big team that the name doesn't really tell us exactly what it is. But I work on open source projects, on scale and incubation of projects. And more specifically, recently, been working on the Microsoft Graph Toolkit. Yeah. Yep. And so, before that, we'd had you on the show about the Windows toolkit which right. had graph components as part of it correct and still does and still does <laughs> they haven't gone anywhere yep um and you've handed that project off to someone else in right. PAX to so, continue uh, that Michael journey, Hawker right? is now the the new champion of the Windows community toolkit and he's uh, taking in a whole new brave directions and I've uh, essentially moved on to create a new toolkit the Microsoft graph toolkit yeah okay. and so what audience is the graph toolkit kind of targeting right so uh, right now we're targeting web developers any developer that's building web experiences on any platform so whether it is um, progressive web applications web applications um, microsoft teams tabs sharepoint web parts office add-ins anything that has a, a web developer on it should be able to use the the microsoft graph toolkit and so as part of that like when you first came to me when you'd kind of got this you know, we're going to go build this thing. Right. You started talking about web components. And I was kind of familiar with web mm -hmm. components and on the understanding of what it does. But do you want to explain a little bit about why you picked web components and w the reasons you did that versus yes. other ways you could have gone? Yeah, so when you say web components, uh, developers are not really sure exactly what you mean. Because even if you're building React components, a lot of developers call them web components. That's very true, yeah. Right, so it, web components is just a... a an umbrella term for reusable UI components. Yeah. Uh, but web components in the web standards world means uh, is actually a set of four different web standards that allows developers to build these reusable UI components that work on any web framework. So regardless of what web framework you're using, whether it's React or Angular or Vue or just vanilla JavaScript, you're able to use these components because they're rendered natively by the browser. They're understood by all the, the standards that have been created by the web community, the, mm -hmm. by the standard community. Uh, so there's the uh, custom element standard, which defines how you can create components that you can define through your own custom name. So just like you have a div in an HTML, you can create your own component that's 
Nicola dash uh, list, and this could be a component that can render inside of HTML, whatever JavaScript, HTML, CSS you've defined, it's enclosed inside of that one tag that you've created. Okay, and so it is a standard, it's supported by major browsers including... Right, so it's supported by all major browsers right now, even browsers that might not support it, such as the uh, current Edge browser, for example, mm -hmm. we have uh, polyfills that work automatically when you load um, the project, when you load the library, they load automatically. So as a developer, it's transparent to you whether the polyfill is used or not. And it, they're, they've been developed for the past many years, four or five years. So the, the polyfill is actually very performant, even if they're, if they're running on a browser that doesn't support it, like IE, for example. And so what is the benefit of doing that over, say, picking React, like the the SharePoint framework is kind of very, right. I mean, it does support other JavaScript frameworks, but they kind of launch and it's very much a React way of doing things. Well, the reason why we decided to do web components, because the number one feedback we received is that developers are not only on React. Mm -hmm. Yes, the majority of developers are using React. But it's in the last, I think, survey from NPM was about 60% of developers. That still leaves about 40% of developers who are not using React. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of alienating about 40% of your developers who might want to still have reusable components. So the reason why we decided to do web components is because it covers 100% of all web developers, regardless of what tools or what stack they're on, they still can use these components however they choose to. And so the other part of the discussion we had when you came to me was not just the here, we want to use web components and not React, um, was, uh, and we're not sure what we do with this whole fabric thing that already mm -hmm. exists with Office UI fabric. And so do you want to talk a little bit about that journey and how how you would describe Graph Toolkit playing nice with Office UI fabric, for instance? Right. Yeah, so because it's all based on web standards, it works with any existing libraries or existing component libraries as well. So developers who are already using fabric, they will be able to, they are able to use the Microsoft Graph Toolkit. But the Microsoft Graph Toolkit goes a step beyond the UA fabric. So it kind of builds these, um, these basic components that already know how to talk to the Microsoft Graph. So for example, you have a, a login component that you can just drop in on your page with one line of code and, and we'll be able to automatically log you in or log in the user to the Microsoft Identity Platform, either AD or Microsoft Identity, such as your Xbox account or your Outlook account, whatever account you're using. So you can use this line component to authenticate a user, and then you can still continue using your Fabric, uh, fabric uh, components inside of your React application, use the Graph SDK to get the data to kind of populate those, and then you can just plop in agenda component from the Microsoft Graph Toolkit somewhere. And that mm -hmm. will graph the component will automatically be able to use the Graph API for the calendar and graph to, and just display all the agendas for you. So you don't have to actually make any of those calls. And so I think the major benefit I found was that with Office UI Fabric, essentially it is a bunch of controls that you can use, but they weren't bound to anything. They weren't right. tightly bound. Whereas, you know, the demo I did on stage, and thank you for letting me do that on stage, was like the one line of code, and then mm -hmm. instantly it's showing the, right. the agenda, and, developer, and you're doing all that plumbing. Right, for a developer who just wants to get started and just yeah. to want to see what they can do with the graph, um, the graph toolkit lets you do that when two lines of code. Mm -hmm. I can provide a client ID for Microsoft Identity. And with that, the, a user can log in and they can see their calendar, they can see their to-do tasks, they can see what people they're closest to them. And that only takes about a few lines of code for the toolkit to get that set up. And only 
two minutes of a developer time to set that up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, otherwise, you would have to write out the code for authenticating user, which is not easy. If um, even if you're using the MCEL library, which is which is amazing, it's still um, still some work that a developer has to do. So we're doing some assumptions there that we're making really easy for them to get started. We are still making it available for them to customize it however they see fit. But for somebody that wants to get started and to learn and to you know, see what's possible, it's super, super easy now. And you're using kind of Office UI Fabric anyway, um, and then you're using the Microsoft Graph SDK, so Daryl's happy. Right, yeah, we're using any other uh, projects that make things easier for the developer and us. So we're using the Fabric uh, UI core for all the styles and yeah. everything, so it looks like it's part of, of, of Fabric and the Microsoft language. We're using mcell.js for all the authentication on the web. Uh, we're using the Microsoft Graph SDK for all the graph calls. And somebody using the graph toolkit, they get access directly to the Graph SDK. So they can act, they can call the Graph SDK, the Graph directly through the Graph toolkit uh, as well. So we're using all these other projects as well. We're not reinventing the wheel. Yeah. And we're just wrapping them into a really nice package for a developer to just get started and start using them. Yeah, and you mentioned, like, obviously, uh, Yina did a demo in her overview at Build where it was just on a plain web page. But then, you know, you've done them where it's like, hey, you're a SharePoint developer. Here's an SPFX web part. Right. And here's the line of code to reference the, the the existing authentication that's on the context on the page, and then there's the one line of code that renders the calendar. Right. Yeah, we're using the uh, the SharePoint framework to get the context for the current logged in user. So if somebody wants to use the toolkit inside of a SharePoint web part, all they have to do is just pass the context to the provider for it. And then all the components that we're going to use after that, they will automatically know how to talk to the Microsoft Graph. I mean, you still have to do um, what's required to talk to Microsoft Graph, which is give permissions. And the mm -hmm. user has to give you those permissions or administrator. But uh, you don't have to make any of the graph calls yourself. The components handle that for you automatically. Kind of top to the bottom of the right. stack. And they know they're in the SharePoint, so they know what calls they can make and, and how, how, how it works. So these are all in preview at the moment. What controls are available? Components? How are you, how are you talking about this? Because you've got web components and... I, you know, I mix them up myself. I yeah. try to say components as much as I can, but I, I try to catch myself. Um, so right now we have the login component. So MGT-login, which is a sign-in button. Uh, and then once the user is logged in, it shows the users, the current user details. So their name, their picture, and then ability to log out. We also have a person component, which you can just place anywhere on the page or as many as you want, uh, passing just either a name or an ID and automatically fetch their details, the picture, the name, or emails, everything needs to show. Um, we also have an agenda component that shows the current logged in user's agenda for how many days you want it to show. We have a to-do component that can show both Microsoft Planner data, uh, which is a project management tool, which has a really rich API in the graph, as well as Microsoft To Do, which is on the consumer side mostly, um, which is also available through the Microsoft Graph. And then finally, we have a people component that can fetch a group of people or just your closest contacts and kind of display them on the page for you. Yeah, and I, I really like the way you did the To Do and Planner as it's right. like one web component that you can have one or the other. Um, I used to do a lot both in my personal Outlook world and my corporate world as well, just to kind of keep up on all the right. things, especially now you can flag emails too and they show up. That's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, a lot of uh, users use multiple services. So yeah. the more you can kind of unify them, the better for, mm -hmm. for them. The experience is just 
Correct. And then, so those were previewed at Build, mm-hmm. um, but you've also been working on some newer stuff, which is in right. the repo as well. So what have you been working on? As, so we on have, this? Uh, there's about three components that we're hoping to release in the next uh, few months, month or so. Uh, first is uh, the most requested one, which is a people picker, uh, the ability to kind of drop this uh, picker onto a, a web page and be able to query the graph for people as you search and be able to select them and then whatever experience you have, whether it is a calendar experience or a to-do task experience or your, your personal experiences, you'll be able to kind of have a, a way to choose people. Uh, we also have uh, in the works a person card. So that way, for example, hovering over a person, be able to display their details, their rich detail, what office they're in, who their manager is, uh, et cetera. And then finally, we're looking to expand the agenda component into a, a richer calendar. So be able to do day view, week view, month view, and add and remove uh, events in there. Um, that's something that might take a bit longer, but it's 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 a good uh, goal for us to have. That's really cool. Yeah. And so you're doing that all through like the feedback through GitHub and through Correct. the community and the partners that Pax works with and. In terms of what you see, I mean, the people picker seems like a no-brainer. Right, yeah. So we, everything we do is completely in the open. We yeah. do all our project management in GitHub projects. We get all our feedback through the GitHub issues. And uh, we make sure that we tag them appropriately so any developer can, if they want to contribute and want to jump in and help out, they are able to do it as well and uh, kind of work with us to make sure that this, this toolkit is the best toolkit it can be. And so if someone had an idea about a new web component, um, I'm gonna just like kind of make one up on the spot here, but like the OneNote page picker or something, right. you know, or the OneNote renderer. Like, what would be the the approach for them starting to build a web component and submitting a PR into the repo? Like, do you have anything like that set up yet? Uh, yeah. So the first thing they well, they have to decide whether this is something they want to do personally for their own project or yeah. something they want to share with the rest of the community. So if they first, if they just want to use it in their project, we are working on a way to scaffold creating components really easily. Uh, we actually already have it. If you go to a contributing file, there's a whole uh, set of um, uh, items that you can go through that show you how to create your own component. And it's very easy. We essentially give you a reference to the graph SDK. So you can start making calls to graph SDK with the current logged in user. And we have a function for you to fill out what what you want to render. So it couldn't be simpler for creating new components. Now, if you want to contribute this to the toolkit, uh, first thing you would do is create an issue. Uh, You have to create an issue and then have a discussion with the community to decide whether this component is the right thing for the community, whether this is something we need to add. And more, once we decide that this is something we want, we need to decide on what the API looks like. What is... uh, what are the, the attributes we need to add to it? What are the methods we add to it? So we have a whole discussion on, on how this component looks like and acts. And once we've kind of finalized that, then you're free to submit a PR and kind of work with us to merge it inside of the actual repo. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of people that ask me, hey, like I'd like to get more involved in open source and um, we're looking for a core project to work on. And like this has been my new, like this is a great opportunity. You know, we've obviously got a list of, web components that you're prioritizing to ship to right. v1 but there are a whole host of other ones that people will want over time that we should definitely get to um and so i've been encouraging a lot of people to reach out and raise those ideas as issues in the github repo and then have those so that you guys can have those conversations so if you're listening you're driving the car you're running <laughs> or you're juan on a bike somewhere um and and you want to uh Start contributing to open source. This is a really good place for you to do that in a you know a broad Microsoft 365 way. 
um, you know, there's lots of different endpoints on the graph and there's definitely opportunity there if you want to be involved in it. Right. And we've uh, tagged uh, several issues already as help wanted. And those are basically up for grabs. Yeah. If somebody wants to come in and say, hey, I want to contribute and kind of put my name down as somebody that's supportive of this project, just go and say, hey, I'm working on this. This is mine. And then feel free to submit a PR based on that issue. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I think I'd announced that a few months ago on one of these episodes and people went looking and they're like, we don't see it. And because I called it a bounty, oh, yeah. um, but it turns out that Help Wanted is the standard yeah. in GitHub, which was my mistake. So sorry about that, guys, but you can go <laughs> check and it's Help Wanted is the tag that you should be using for that. Right. And then in terms of like, I guess, usage, there's either enterprise devs that might want to use this, but ISVs. Um, what kind of licensing? Excuse me. <clears throat> what kind of licensings do you have for using this toolkit? So it's all under the MIT license, which essentially means it's free to use uh, under the MIT license, and you can you can take it and use it as you f- see fit. Yeah. And modify it as you see fit. It's just there's no uh, liability. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then I have had feedback. Jeremy, it's still in preview. We're not going to use a preview mm-hmm. web component inside of our product because we've got paying customers. So is there a march towards a, a blessed V1 of the web components? And have you thought about how your version individually, the web components, or it'd be like one big package? Uh, yeah, so um, it's something that actually you've been asking me for a while too. So it's something <laughs> on top of mind. Uh, but yes, we're marching towards a 1.0 release, hopefully in the next few months. We just want to make sure that we've uh, received as much feedback as we can for the community and then we handle any breaking changes as soon as possible before we release a 1.0 release that's going to be a stable release. We, of course, want to handle things such as accessibility and localization. Make sure we have a story before we go to 1.0. Uh, so hopefully by August or uh, September, the latest, we'll have a 1.0 release that the developer will be able to kind of say this is safe to use in any enterprise application. That's awesome. Yeah. And so um, what is the best way to keep up to date? Like, I mean, they can follow the repo, but um, when you're blogging, where will you be blogging? And So we'll, we'll try to use all the official channels for the Microsoft Graph yeah, to, to make sure that developers are aware of this. Um, the, of course, the repo is just make sure you click that watch button and make sure every changes we do, you'll be able to uh, see them. Uh, follow the Microsoft Graph blog or, or graph.microsoft.com has all the documentation for the toolkit as well. Uh, and then I'm sure that we'll have all the news on, on Twitter and all the usual uh, Twitter handles for the graph as well. Yeah, so you've already got a branch on the docs repo. I don't know if, don't know if Laura's approved it or not. It is. It's it already is merged. Oh, it's already awesome. live, yes. So, all the, so if you're already in the Microsoft Graph docs, um, Daryl's been busy writing out the SDK documentation. <laughs> And it sounds like Nicole, I didn't even notice it. Nicola's stuff's out there yeah. for the graph toolkit, which is great. So we often get caught, kind of asked, well, you know, this is, is this the product group running this? Or, um, you know, what, what is this? And it's like, no, no, this is an official thing that Microsoft is pushing. And it just so happens that Pax.org is doing this because they're the best at building these kind of open source projects. It's kind of our job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's awesome. And like the Windows toolkit has been extremely successful. Right. So um, I'm glad you're on this and focus on the graph one too. Same, yeah. And so what what things do you think are in the future? Like, have you had, do you have any vision a year out of where you'd want this to be? Or like, how would you have this on your mental piece as an achievement of running this project? Like, what, what, what would be the Nirvana dream in 12 months? Right. So we want to make sure that we cover all the most common scenarios for components. Uh, when developer just wants to plop in a person or they want to plop in any common UI from the 
the graph, they're able to do that. I want to cover all those uh, scenarios. Uh, we're also looking into ways to generate automatically uh, some UI based on the graph calls and some it's a it's a room for investigation right now of how do we cover even those um, areas where we don't have a component how do how do the, we generate a component automatically based on the data that the graph returns mm-hmm. it's something we're looking into and if, if that's something we can figure out then it's going to be endless what possibilities the developers will have with the toolkit um, and then just developers using this. I mean, the more developers use this and the more developers uh, contribute and the more feedback we receive, the more successful everybody's going to be, not just developers contributing to it, but developers using this and, and wanting to adopt the graph in the future. Yeah, and it's interesting because from the offset, we've had telemetry in place, mm-hmm. much like we do with the Microsoft Graph SDKs. And so we can see, like in Daryl's world, he can see how popular the Java SDK is compared to all calls to the graph. And same with the JavaScript SDK and the .NET SDK. And so we're doing the same thing with the toolkit, like how many how many apps are using the toolkit versus not. And right. so it'd be great to see that adoption grow. And I suspect once you get to the V8, V1 in a few months, that'll definitely jump up as people right. start to invest in it. I agree. And then if we see a big uptick in need for even more languages and more platforms, it's something that I would uh, love to kind of look into and see what other areas developers need something similar like this. Like, is uh, uh, we already have some of this stuff in the Windows Community Toolkit, which has some graph components there, but uh, there are other languages and other platforms that developers need this. And yep. it's not something we can commit to right now because we're still trying to do the graph toolkit, but maybe in a year, who knows? And so do you have like getting started for each language? So like a React or Angular or, you know, name the JavaScript frameworks right. out there. But uh, what ones have you focused JavaScript on? frameworks coming up right now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, As we speak, there's a new one being launched. <laughs> yes. So we have actually a whole samples folder on our GitHub. So if you go to our GitHub under the samples folder, we have a sample for, uh, for the major web frameworks. So we have one for React, Angular, and Vue on how to use the toolkit directly in those. And we have in the documentation, a getting started guide for each web framework on how to integrate this either with an existing application or a new application. That's awesome. Yeah. And so where where is the best place to get started? Just go to the docs on the docs page and... Either to docs or go into the GitHub page, uh, aka.ms slash MGT. And that has uh, links to the documentation, links to JS Fiddle you can start playing with and the links to how to download these either through a CDN or through the NPM package. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, look, we'll get you back on the show when you have all the amazing news of when things are V1-ing and all the net new features you're Can't working wait. on. But um, if they want to keep in touch with you, what's the what's your Twitter handle? What's the best way to right. keep so in touch? Right, so I'm on Twitter at, at Metulev. And my how are you spelling my that? My last name, yes, M-E-T-U-L-E-V. Okay, it's taken me the best part of six months to type that right into the keyboard, even with IntelliSense. It's okay. Sometimes I mess it up too. <laughs> we all have challenging names. Yes. <laughs> um, and so in terms of just out of interest from an open source perspective, how have you found um, being in the foundations of starting this one versus when you did the UWP a bit? Were there lessons you learned in the way that you approached UWP that you've taken on board with the Graph Toolkit in terms of creating a community around it and driving kind of both yourselves doing the work and trying to get the community engaged as well. Right. So yeah, when we started the Windows Community Toolkit, which was uh, almost about three years ago, um, we were one of the first ones in the 
in the Windows world, in the M365 world, that we're doing open source. So there was a lot of learnings there that we learn either the hard way or uh, the easy way. Um, some of those things is just transparency, just mm-hmm. being transparent with the community and what we're working on. Even from the beginning when we started the uh, the graph toolkit, we started with a um, with an open mindset. Like everything is on the GitHub. All our management is on GitHub. Uh, project management on GitHub. Issues are on GitHub. We don't have anything internally that we that we uh, manage for the toolkit. So everything is is there. Anybody can. Um, can comment on anything that we're building, all the designs that we have, the design team working on, we publish as soon as we can on GitHub as well, so the community can con- comment as well. Um, as we're working on the PRs, we try to uh, push them um, as soon as possible so the community can comment as well and on all the specs. So openness is the number one thing, It's just being open and transparent of everything we're doing and just trying to listen to what the community has to say. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And um, where was UWP a year from create, like from it being an incepted an idea? Like, do you feel like the acceleration of Graph Toolkit to get to the amount of web components you have in preview is faster than what you had with UWP? Or, um, that's a good question. It's not something I've thought about it, but just on right now. I would say the UWP actually had a faster adoption yeah. uh, when we first created the UWP. Uh, it was called UWP Community Toolkit at the time. Yeah, uh, we actually had uh, more community members jumping in and building components just because they already had components that had they had built out even before right, right, the toolkit right. was created. They already yeah. had stuff that they were had released either on their own NuGet packages or on their own um, blog posts on their own uh, GitHub. So. We saw a big uptick of developers jumping into the toolkit and just dropping their existing controls there as well. Uh, we haven't seen as much of that with the graph toolkit. And most likely the reason why is because uh, there's not many developers that are doing uh, components yet because web components is even though it's not a new standard, it hasn't seen a lot of adoption yet. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of developers who are doing React and moving over to web components, either it's 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 similar, it's not exactly the same, so it does require some work. Um, but we're hoping that with more, uh, as developers see more need for using the graph side of the web applications, they'll be able to kind of see this as a way to create these reusable components that anybody can take advantage of it. Even if you're a React the developer, uh, developers on Vue or whatever, it can reuse your components. So we're hoping that developers will will see that as an opportunity to kind of have a bigger reach than what they're yeah, already doing. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Are there good like primers out there on um, web components in general? Like, is, is who would be the right blog or video? Right. Or um, so there's several frameworks, not really frameworks, but uh, helpers out there for web components right now. The choice when we went through creating web components for the toolkit were should we use uh, what's called Stencil.js, which mm-hmm. is sort of a compiler. It compiles down your code into native JavaScript for um, web components, or to use a helper such as Lit Element, which is kind of a wrapper around the web standard standards um, for web components uh, that makes it uh, very easy to kind of just get started with building web components. We, we actually built the toolkit initially in both. We created both of ones with Stencil, one with uh, once with uh, lit element, but we decided to go lit element route 
um, just because of, of the skills that we had on the team at the time and how fast we had to actually get going with the project, uh, which allowed us to really quickly create components that we could package up in a, in a very simple way for developers to use. So if somebody's looking to create components for the toolkit, uh, we're currently using Lit Element. Uh, if you go to, I think, just search online Lit Element, there's a ton of documentation how to start it, how to get started. Or if you go to our contributing on our GitHub, we actually have a section on there on how to get started with, with creating components for the toolkit That's using awesome. some of the snippets we've created. Cool. Yeah. Excellent. Well, look, thanks again, mate. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing what other uh, in, intriguing and inventive ways people build web components on top of the graph and uh, contribute back to the repo. So I'm very excited about this and I can't wait. Yeah, cool. Well, I appreciate you heading up the effort and um, yeah, again, we'll get you on the show as soon as we're ready to V1 this stuff. Thank you. Cheers. for listening to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at M365DevPodcast and check out our show notes at www.M365DevPodcast.com. To help us spread the word, we'd really appreciate it if you could retweet our episode tweets and give us a review on iTunes. 